everything in life is kind of a crapshoot. Hello and welcome to episode 137 of Grumpy Old Benz for Monday, February 22nd, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where all is right in the world. Another episode of Maps with Matt has finally dropped. Woo! And from America's left coast, where Bill Gates is living proof that autism causes vaccines. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Autism causes vaccines. I think you maybe got that backwards. No, this is Bill Gates. <laughs> well, he is an evil person. When when is the rest of the world going to catch on to that? I I think they're figuring it out. Probably about the time that their their skin starts flaking off and their organs start mutating into something else, and then they're like, maybe I shouldn't have got that shot that didn't actually do anything. But I wasn't here to talk about vaccines. You want to talk about Facebook? I mean, there's a lot of doctors I would believe, but let's all remember Bill Gates. Not a college graduate. Yeah, not even a college grad. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, Facebook. Wait, are they still in the news? Facebook. I mean, they are. Before we we get to that, though, I'd like to tell everybody 15 shot two killed this weekend in Chirac because it's Monday. We like to let you know. Yeah, we need that report. Yeah, there's a lot of people still getting (laughs) shot. I mean, I so thought the, Joe the Biden, temperature must have warmed up Yeah, a little bit. Joe Biden got in and, you, you know, you think all this would be would be fixed now. I mean, the temperature Joe, warmed up in here, too. Joe uh, Biden got shot in Chicago. No, he, he took office. Oh. So everything was going to be fixed. Joe Biden came in. He was going to save us from the virus. He was going to save us from climate change. He's going to save us from everything by hiding in his basement and doing nothing. But it was cold in here. The other That's day, my and technique, like, and I thought maybe it was just really cold outside. And then I realized, no, that the uh, furnace filter that my wife bought, which not her fault. I mean, I mean, but but it was an arm and hammer furnace filter. I mean, yeah, the baking soda people. I don't know why you would trust them with furnace filters and perhaps rightfully not, because I realized that there was and almost maybe the filters made of baking soda. It may have been because there was like no air coming out. I'm like. This seems, you know, like the amount of air you'd get, like right when your furnace turns off and you're like, well, I can still feel it's a little warm right by the vents, but there's not really air blowing. And I'm like, well, that's happening. And I'm I'm listening and I'm like, but it sounds like the furnace is still on. And I pulled out the old furnace filter, which was only in there for like six weeks. So it's not like it was filthy. It didn't even it wasn't didn't even look dirty, but it was letting almost no air through. So that was a problem. I was glad the blower didn't blow up on the uh, on the furnace because they have a tendency to do things like that if they cannot get air to uh, to push through the yeah. system. Yeah, that that'll that'll mess up a motor. Uh huh. So always check those furnace filters and always make sure air is blowing through your system and don't just take anything for granted. Like oh, it must be a little extra cold. The house is taking warmer longer to warm up. Because I've never had that happen in I, what? How many years? I mean, I don't remember that ever happening growing up. So 51 years, I don't remember ever having a furnace filter just fail in such a weird way because it wasn't even like it was that way the minute I put it in. I mean, maybe it was somewhat restricted, but damn, 
this was not good. Yeah, my my scenario is usually more like, gee, the house sure seems to be taking a long time to warm up. I wonder if I should start the fire or just keep wishing. Yeah, no, the filter wasn't. I mean, according to what was on the packaging program, it was in the correct way. But I mean, who knows? It could have been. Maybe that's the answer that the filter inside of that was backwards. And thanks to Progo and everybody for being there when we do these shows live. Noagendastream.com, Mondays and Fridays, noon Eastern time. That's the place you want to be. Troll along. Well, you, uh, you, you have just expanded my knowledge of Arm and Hammer by about two x because uh, <laughs> it's the only thing that I particularly knew about Arm and Hammer and filtering air was when my wife informed me that the. A uh, box of baking soda in the back of the fridge needs to be changed at least once a decade. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's good. It's supposed to absorb smells allegedly. I mean, they make all different weird you know, filters and stuff for that. But I had no idea. Well, that's why when I went to look, I, mean, I didn't even pay any attention when installing these things. You just get them in a box, you know, from Home Depot or wherever she ordered them from. And you put them in. And usually furnace filters, you really don't want to think much about them. I mean, they just do their job. You pull them out 90 days later or so. And everything's good. But in this case, uh, no. And it's like, it's kind of sad that a little $10 filter, whatever these things are running now, maybe a little bit more that could just blow up your whole furnace. But uh, I guess that's why you need to pay attention. It sounds like you're lucky that you caught the filter replacement before it became a, you know, a thousand dollar replacement for a large portion of your furnace. Yeah. I mean, then when I went down there, you could tell it kind of sounded like it does when the wind outside is howling like you know 50 miles an hour and you get that little well that's what the uh, furnace was sounding like when you got up to it so it was like that's no good it's trying to get air yeah it's like sucking air through whatever little pinholes it can find yeah whistling away yeah oh the joys of having central heating well yeah well you don't you well you you do but you mainly have a stove so you're a uh, yeah my heating is very central you that's the stove (laughs) it it heats one room, and well, if I want heat in the other room, then I just get up and walk to the one that has heat. It works. It's just well, you could use fans, an elaborate system of fans and well, cats. As as happens around here, the weather never sticks around for very long. So uh, we have the outside temperature has gone all the way up to forty six right now, and it is raining like crazy. So, well. Uh, we're 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 out of the polar vortex here. At least all that snow's melting. Oh, it's gone. Yeah. No, no flooding or anything like that. That's what I'm worried about around here, because all this snow has just been piling up. And this weekend, when it hits like 42 degrees, all of a sudden, all that snow is going to go like, huh, time to melt. Yeah, well, there's totally flooding, but eh, I'm, but I'm not getting flooded. You're I'm on a hill. hill. So that's all that matters. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I mean, if you build in a place where it rains this much. Uh, you, if you build in the valley, you got to accept, like, figure out what you're doing. Yeah. And if you want to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band. I tried that once. <laughs> Did not work out. I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. But Facebook, do they have they shot anybody recently? Uh, no, Facebook uh, is is currently being a victim of uh, a, a combination of getting too big for their britches and. Uh, an overabundance of arrogance and absolutely no situational awareness when de- dealing with international governments. Oh. Uh, we we spoke already about how Australia was clamping down on Facebook and 
deciding to, you know, doing what governments do, picking winners and deciding to prop up uh, a failing in media industry by looking at this, this giant fountain of money called Facebook and Google and saying, you pay them or else. And Facebook is throwing a tantrum and saying, well, we'll just take our ball and go home. And, right. and uh, you know, that works when Facebook is international and Australia is just one government. Well, now Canada is jumping on the bandwagon and uh, Germany is making noise about doing it, too. So this this story is not going away. And it's still weird. Because I would still think that if we were posting content in a text format on grumpyoldbens.com, we would want people to be able to post about that on Facebook and all the other social medias. And you wouldn't be going like, oh, wait, you're linking people to my content? That's horrible. You're trying to get me traffic? Pay me, too. It's weird. Yeah, well, Facebook believes, at least the the people making these moves at Facebook are Actually, I have no idea what they believe, but they seem to be behaving as if they think that that the international governments are going to blink first. And if it's just Australia, maybe there's a chance. But at this point, uh, momentum is starting to move against them with other governments jumping on. Um, this particular one was Heritage Minister Stephen. I'm going to script this name. Gulabelt? Guibalt? Guibalt? Sure. It, Canadian? It, yeah, it looks Canadian to me. Screw those guys. They don't even know how to pronounce their own names. Anyways, the Canada hasn't introduced legislation, so I couldn't read it. But the heritage minister says that he plans to draft legislation. So this story really is all uh, virtue signaling. Um, he's just saying, hey, Australia is screwing over Facebook and Google. We should try to do the same. Um, but I, it hasn't happened yet. But at the same time, that that is what constitutes momentum. Um, there was in, in the story, there was talk about how at least one of Germany's ministers, which they didn't name. Thank you. It's uh, CBC um, was also planning on doing it. Well, but, the interesting uh, thing about all these laws is that they're trying to go after the way the Internet was set up with links because. Facebook is certainly not alone. If anything, I would say Facebook probably contains less links to other sites than something like Twitter, because there's way more linking going on on Twitter. And this is just a very strange situation. Well, the problem, the vast majority of Facebook links are are to Facebook. Yes. Well, yeah. People want to post their photos and stuff like that. I mean, the problem here is that governments have no idea about social media. And that's going to be a big problem when they put legislation in. Yeah, I think Progo nailed it in the troll room. He said, this is a combination of government regulation can fix everything, which, by the way, spoiler alert, it can't. And you can't monetize the network, which is a favorite saying of Adam Curry from No Agenda. And uh, the you know what? I thank you, Progo, because lines like that. That's why we have a troll room. And if you want to be in a troll room, it's uh, noagendastream.com. We have an IRC channel and everything. Just letting you know. Yeah, I pulled that line out the other day when the photo of Adam Curry shoveling some snow was out and somebody responded with, is there anything that man can't do? And I responded with, can he monetize the network? network? (laughs) Yes. And Adam didn't favor it, but the keeper did. So I think she got the joke. And there you go. Um, It's a great line to pull out because nobody can monetize the network. People are trying. But social media, having a war with multiple governments is going to be I would like to say it's going to be fun to watch, but most likely it's just going to be a crap show. 
I, I it, well, of course it's going to be a crap show. You just said the word government, but uh, Facebook, I don't, I, I, you know, they might have actually been uh, in, I mean, Facebook is big. They're, they're really big. They, they've gotten way too big than more than they should. Uh, but it, they, they might even be able to take on one government, but I don't think that they're prepared and, and, you know, maybe Zuckerberg thinks he can and maybe he knows something I don't, but I don't think they're prepared to take on multiple governments at once. So, um, this is going to be, well, well I, as, as, as with everything governmental, I, I predict that what's going to happen is a huge wave of awful legislation, which stomps Facebook down and they become, you know, the next AOL, but that legislation doesn't go away as soon as Facebook does. And the result is that we have. Uh, decades of unintended consequences caused by this. See, now with Facebook, I don't know. I think they may be one of the social media sites that can live in a walled garden environment. Much more they sort than of do. Well, but they can go without news links. I mean, they could go without almost all external links and pivot to something where, you know, you show the kids photos so grandma can see them and you could talk back and forth to people but you just can't link to anything. I think Facebook could survive even if they had to kill all links to all external sites. I think they can survive where I don't think the shorter form things like Twitter and that could. I mean, Instagram could survive without that because it's just people sharing their photos normally, although I know they're trying to monetize stuff. But is it wrong of me to not want Facebook to survive? No, I mean, I don't think it has. And I don't think people should be forced to use it. if nothing else, you could destroy all of Facebook's social products right now and just outlaw Instagram, outlaw WhatsApp, outlaw Facebook itself. And they would survive for a very long time because they are still part of the advertising duopoly. They are still raking in cash. Uh, if you want to advertise online, you go to Google or you go to Facebook. And they also have a war chest where even if they shut down all operations, they could go 10 more years without even slowing down because they have that much money. So uh, even if Facebook crashes and burns, they can make a hell of a lot of noise on the way down. Well, yeah, it's like Apple. You have so much money in the bank, you can have some uh, big disasters and still continue on. And as much as I hate siding with a Facebook or a Google, it's like, I don't believe anybody should be forced to pay to link to content. That just doesn't seem... To make sense. Now, if you're taking an article I, from someplace yeah, like the Chicago with, Tribune well, and you're taking the whole article and posting that on Facebook where people never have to leave to read it, then I get it. But just linking. No, I, I, I'm I'm with you and I will make the statement even more general. I don't think that in I for the most part, I don't think people should be forced. I think that uh, it, there it is a a policy wonk position to decide, huh? Here's some situation that I see, and I'm not certain that I like it entirely. So let's set up rules so that people with guns are sent to force someone to do something that they don't want to do. That's pretty much always the wrong solution as far as I'm concerned. Call it my radical anarchism if you want. But um, no, every time government gets involved, you have unintended consequences because the laws always you know, even if, if the laws even address the situation you made them for, they always splash out over onto other things. And, you know, whoever the next social network is, depending on how you draft these laws, uh, are, are we going? Well, OK, are we going to 
suddenly get uh, Mastodon servers slapped down uh, like no agenda social, like, uh, you know, Sir Bemrose dot social or wherever it is that I have my private server. I'm not telling you. Well, yes, because um, if you have are, to are if you get- take Facebook and say you have to pay to have links to news content, then everybody's going to have to pay to have links to yeah. news content. People read people post news content in no agenda social all the time. They post links and I click on those links. And does that mean that Ariner and Adam Curry are now going to be expected to pay Australian news sites? That's a terrible, terrible solution. Yes, for doing the horrible thing of sending those news sites readers. I mean, what's what? Yeah. Who wants people to read their journalistic uh, endeavors? Nobody, right? Well, and, wait. and it it, it, yeah, it won't be enforced against anyone but Facebook and Google and the really big companies. It won't be enforced against Mastodon for a little while, at least. But the laws will still be on the books, which means there will be a chilling effect. Uh, if you did enforce it across everybody, then what us, the Australian government would be doing is killing the ABC. They're, they'd be killing their media because nobody would ever see a single thing that they posted ever again. Well, and that's really the problem with this concept in Australia and elsewhere is that, again, as much as I would love to bash Facebook and Google, they're not the ones killing the the news as it once existed. New technologies well, an, an have come out. Outdated business model, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. That's it. New technology. The internet is here. It's different. And we've talked about that a little bit in the past. The sites that think they can, and there were a lot of them when this kind of stuff started that thought, oh, well, we're the Chicago Tribune or whatever. And I think the Tribune's still doing this to a certain extent that we can put everything now behind a paywall and people will pay to read our news content, forgetting that there's another tens of thousands of news sites online that people can go to for free so unless you're really providing great content that they can't get anywhere else and i think a few sites can do that like maybe the wall street journal but for your average news site people will just go find the free alternative because news is just not that important to 99 percent of the human race that they are going to pay for a news source yeah, I think that's the, ar- the the argument I was about to make is, it, uh, it, well, okay, first of all, if you, if you have your, your news content and you are betting that people will not be able to find it anywhere else, it, you know, first of all, it, 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 for the vast majority of news, of course, you'll be able to find it somewhere else. A story happens and, and 27 news outlets are going to jump to cover it in the first hour. That just, it, the, the landscape is that competitive and that's great for consumers. Uh, but even if you are, I mean, not not that most of the news sites um, in question are doing this these days, but suppose you have a journalist go out and spend three weeks to actually dig in and research a story the way the way news used to happen. Right. Um, I mean, that's a lot of work and, and people don't do that anymore. But it, suppose they did and then they'd come out with the story. Um, you know, a couple things are going to happen. One is, yes, you do get an exclusive for like. 20 minutes until somebody else reads your story and paraphrases it. And then they link to you. And yeah, anybody trying to click through the link is going to hit your paywall, but somebody who paid you is now going to paraphrase it on their own site. And all the details are out. And you, if they paraphrase it correctly, nobody needs to read your story. So, and that's perfectly legal. It's perfectly legitimate. It's perfectly fine. It's called communication. Well, what people are being paid for now is the opinions and the ability of the people to write 
because the, you're right, absolutely right. The exclusive used to be you'd have an exclusive and it would take a while for everybody else to catch up with it. Now, if, you know, ABC News in San Francisco comes out with first, oh, we were just hit with an earthquake. Well, everybody else in the world is going to run with, according to ABC News, San Francisco, an earthquake has just occurred. And that's how news spreads. Exactly. And the other thing that that a lot of news sites seem to be betting on is, uh, you know, if you're uh, what well, Wall Street Journal, I think they they're paywalled. Um, how many people looked at this and said, yeah, I don't really need Wall Street Journal stories anymore. The news is, you know, people get along pretty well in their daily lives. Most people when they don't follow the news, if you're. If you're a trendsetter or a politician or, or you're, you know, a Wall Street banker or something, maybe you have to have particular news every day. And maybe that's the people who subscribe to WSJ. But, but for me, for example, um, I, my decision whether or not to get a cup of coffee and let a cat on my lap doesn't really hinge on whether or not I can read a paywalled newspaper. It, it's just not, it's not life critical. It's kind of a, a luxury in that. Well, it's the, a luxury that's being squabbled. And the domino effect or with this is going to be they're going to have to go after news aggregators as well, which there are a lot of, including the Drudge Report is one of the more famous ones. But the uh, Rupert Murdoch just uh, started out the uh, Knews.com over the last year or so. There's a lot of these sites that are nothing but links to the main stories. And for how many years this was always looked at? by the people publishing those stories and that content as good things. People are driving traffic to your site. You pay to drive traffic to your site. So why now when Facebook or whoever wants to drive traffic to a news site, the news people are like, ah, you're killing our business. No, it's the opposite. You morons. Do, you, do they just it's not understand how this keeping works? Them. The only thing keeping them in business. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I would be thinking. So are they so stupid that they don't understand that? Or do they just see governments are stupid? So let's come out with, hey, they should be paying us. And if the governments agree, they'll help us soak these companies who are making trillions of dollars while we, you know, barely can hold on as a small news organization in Australia or wherever. It's a it's a weird fight when it comes down to it, because there's no way in the world governments can start saying you need to pay to link into another site. If they do, then the internet may just have to close down because everybody's going to be broke. And and this isn't a new argument, by the way, I, I remember 1998 when governments uh, in, in the U S at least uh, state governments, in fact, were proposing link taxes where they said, if you link to a website, you have to pay them. It's exactly the same argument. Well, yes, because you're getting traffic because people are coming to your site because you have the link. Yeah. Well, yes. Which, which, by the way, every one of these arguments always makes assumptions about which direction the value flows. Right. And fundamentally misunderstands the basic tenet of, of capitalism and free trade, which is that in order for trade to happen, value flows both ways. They, if, if value were flowing in only one direction, and the exchange were completely voluntary, then there would be no exchange. In order for a voluntary exchange to happen, value must flow both directions and both people end up the better off for it. Uh, the only time that you end up with somebody entering a transaction that is objectively worse, off, makes them worse off is when they're forced to usually by a government. Well, yeah, who doesn't understand what they're doing 
who doesn't understand the technology, who is just listening to a group of people saying they're hurting our business without understanding how that would work. Now, if, if the people in whichever government, Australia in this case, knew what was going on, they'd be like, shut up, news people. They're helping you by sending you traffic unless they're cutting and pasting your content. And then you have a copyright claim and go file that because then you have a case. But just linking to you. Sorry. No. Yeah. Or, or paraphrasing, which doesn't violate copyright and happens all the damn time. And and that, by the way, is a a real concern nowadays that was not as big of a concern back in the day when news stations were creating news. Uh, if if, you know, some big newspaper say, you know, hypothetically, the New York Times, because I know a lot of people don't remember that far back, but once upon a time, they actually did journalism. Um, they come out with a really deep in-depth story with lots of details, lots of facts, lots of information, and somebody links to them, then without copying the whole thing and making your your link to it the same amount, people are going to have to click through and read your article in order to get as much information, as much benefit out of it. But when your primary sources, say the New York Times, is nothing but NPC fluff saying uh, orange man bad and we there's here's why we think the opinion if if your news is nothing but useless opinion with no facts somebody can pull out the three facts that you brought in the news story paraphrase them cut out all of your crap opinion and nobody needs to read your article anymore and and that is the existential problem that newspapers are facing or, or at least one of them is that their quality has dropped so low that nobody needs to read primary sources anymore. And there's 10,000 blogs out there that would love to take whatever facts you've managed to dig up or make up and drop them into their own blog with their own opinion. And it may be just as low quality, but hey, it's not paywalled. Right. Well, that's it. You're taking the facts and you're adding opinion. And then if you link back to the original one, that's great. All the shows like we're doing right now are discussing things we've read somewhere, but we don't necessarily take really detailed notes on everything and be like, oh, well, we heard this on this yeah. site. We heard this on this site. No, it's the news. Well, we're very much not doing journalism here on Grumpy Old Benz. No, we are opinion based. But this is why, like on Mondays, when I'm looking for how many people were shot and killed in Chicago, I just go in to DuckDuckGo and type in Chicago shootings. And usually just from the headlines of three or four sites, I'll get the information I need. And you know what? They're all pretty much the same. So, Does it matter which site I go to for the opinion on two dead and 15 shot? No, it doesn't. And it sounds like you're doing exactly as much research as, as somebody at the Washington Post or Chicago Tribune is doing. Probably more. They're like, what's the search engine he's speaking? Yeah, of? they're probably they're probably doing their <laughs> research at Google using the app. Yeah, I need to look and into getting, this, you know, getting fact checked at it. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of crazy stuff. So this is going to be interesting to watch, especially with all of these other countries seemingly piling onto that. I would think the social media would be more concerned with what's going on in Poland and Hungary and others where they're saying, hey, if it's if it's legal speech in our country, you have to allow that on your social media platform. I think that is a bigger story. But this is kind of a double whammy for these 
companies like Facebook and Google that have just been trucking along for a long time, making a lot of money, not really facing a whole lot in consequences. And whether the news thing is right here or not, I think the freedom of speech thing is definitely right. But all of these things are going to add up to there's going to be changes coming. All of this, I think, is is a reaction. And, And of course, governments react slowly, but they react. They also can, you know, change slowly. Uh, this is all a reaction to social uh, tech, you know, Silicon Valley outstepped their bounds. They they grew too big for their breaches, and it was never more obvious than the point where as as a cartel in lockstep, they all decided that they were going to deplatform and remove and and non person the president of the largest government on earth and every other government on earth is like that could happen to us these people are too big we need to do something and at that moment uh the the tide of world opinions started turning against these silicon valley companies and i'm still not sure they understand how badly they fucked up there oh i would agree and a lot of this is about censoring content and stifling voices whether you believe that people should be allowed to spew hate speech or not, they're coming down on the side with a very heavy handed approach to it. And it's not working out all that well because it is taking a ton. Well, it's either a really bad AI that is going to constantly make mistakes. You mean Zuckerberg? Which, yeah, which is what is going on, or it's going to take a bunch of humans to moderate things. And we all know humans could be totally, totally objective and just look at the facts and wait no we've learned that that can't no, be done I, I mean in theory there are humans in the fact checking rumor mills yeah and the that, more you try to do this the more problems you bring out so the more no, this, the, the problem is is the idea that you can filter right is ultimately the problem remember it, it, when the internet started and it was like oh it's going to be a free open place to share information it's going to be utopia and then what yeah, happened? I remember that. Yeah. Well, I, I remember that. And I remember thinking, yeah, it'll remain a free and open place where you can share things right up until all of these old boomer fuddy duddies who are running the, you know, trying to maintain control over the entire world suddenly discover that the Internet is a place that that people can interact without them. And then they're going to seize the power. I remember thinking this is not going to last because at some point. The internet gets big enough and suddenly people seek to control it. Uh, I, I, I keep looking at this and going, yeah, I, I totally applaud the idea that Facebook and Google are being bit slapped and Twitter being sent back to into their place by, you know, the, the one group that although they're slow to act are, are bigger than they are, which is the group of all world governments. But the, we haven't even begun to see the wave of unintended consequences and chilling effects that are going to settle over the internet. And we're never going to see a a social media boom, the likes of which created Facebook and Twitter because overregulation is going to completely kill a lot of the ideas in their infancy now. Well, I do see things moving forward, going to a much more closed system and separated by country because of this kind of stuff you can't have free speech between the united states and china china's stopping that you know they're blocking things in their country 
because they don't want the outside influence. And this is going to be the same thing in Australia. If they come down with, well, our new law says this, and well, how do you make that comply? Because the internet doesn't exist in one place where there's going to have to be massive. It's going to come down to crazy stuff like, well, Facebook, if you want to continue to exist in Australia, you have to block non-Australians out of it, I would guess, or somehow figure out, I don't, how do you do this, say? You live in Australia. You, you don't. You have family in the United States. The family in the United States on Facebook is posting news stories. Well, that has to all be deleted before you can see it, right? Because that would then, so this is a well, really. It, 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 try, trying to trying to filter based on news stories or based on sites or based, I mean, that, that kind of filtering is, from a practical standpoint, is impossible. That's why you uh, the only the kind links. of filter you can do. I mean, what what you do is you get out there and with a, a dredging rig and you cut all the undersea cables. That's the only <laughs> way that you're going to keep Australia pure. Yeah, they were a penal colony anyway. They're all bad. Keep those Australians out, except for the ones listening to Grumpy Old Bands. We love you, Australians. And and you know, just from my perspective, I would really prefer that Australia not be cut off from the rest of the world in on the internet. Because of the ones that are donating to us, really, that, that that's the only reason I have. But you asked me on the last show when we talked about this same topic at length, because it's a big topic and it's not going to go away. Um, you asked me, you know, if not for using the government, how do you proceed against something as big as Facebook who have got out of control? They've clearly they're out of control when they're stepping up and saying well i have decided in my android voice that i am going to deplatform donald trump the president of the united states and okay that seems a little bit excessive so how do you how do you proceed against facebook and i you you got me thinking damn you uh oh see that there is that there's usually no good thing to happen if you start thinking well uh, one of the things that that kind of came to mind and, and I, I listen you know lots of other podcasts cover this and of course i steal their ideas because that's what we do here um social networks are not monopolies that's not where facebook is a monopoly they are uh, social networks are are a network effect and the network effect is a very powerful effect that tends to lead toward making uh, picking a few winners and making them really big and and squashing everybody else which is an unfortunate effect but it's it's a an inevitable effect of making every social network a walled garden. The way you defeat the network effect is is federation and having the networks interact with each other, which is why I like Mastodon so much. Um, but Facebook social network isn't a monopoly. It is just a really, really big network. And Facebook is certainly riding the high of that. But it could all come crashing down if people just started to realize they don't need that social network. Um, I think Twitter has, has started to push in that direction uh, as soon as a very, very large number of people started realizing, you know, if I just post what I think um, they're going to ban me. So I guess I won't post here. And that harms Twitter a lot. Uh, Facebook, similar thing. If I, you know, if I post what I think, then they're going to put up the fact check label. And so I just won't post here. And eventually, if you're not posting and then you realize that everything everybody else is posting is complete drivel. And then you realize, you know, actually, I haven't logged into Facebook in three months. So that is how you defeat a social network is it, you it, people realize that it's no good. It's it's turned into a, a crap hole that has no useful content. 
Uh, now, if if you are in the position of a government or uh, somebody who wants to make this happen, first of all, stop meddling. But if you are going to meddle, um, I think the most powerful tool that a government has to cause people to leave the Facebook social network, to leave the Instagram social network is going to be propaganda. And governments are very, very good at propaganda. You go out and you make people believe that being on Facebook is not cool. However you do that, you know, maybe you show them pictures of people's lungs after Facebook or something. Well, you show them how much data Facebook has on the average person. And I mean, we're doing that. You know, that is that is a good thing to point out, though, because I, I will honestly, when Facebook first started up, I was like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. If I like the bands that I like and the TV shows that I like, well, then, you know, I can interact with smaller groups who would have the same types of interests until you realize the ulterior motive for collecting such data, which is we can sell your information to Coca-Cola or whoever else that wants to come buying it, who is looking for somebody that likes X, Y, and Z so they can push a new product on you. Yeah, exactly. And the, the most existential threat that Facebook could possibly face is for people to stop for a moment and go, actually, I don't need to log into Facebook. That is the worst thing that could possibly happen to Facebook. Uh, it, it, uh, Dave Jones on podcasting 2.0 podcast made a great point about this very thing when he pointed out that the, the move to block large parts of Australia from Facebook was one of the most misguided and self-destructive things they could have ever done because as as any any savvy technology marketer will tell you the absolute last thing that you want to do is show people that they can live without you right and, and that's what banning large part you know he he was talking about a a story of some guy that was interviewed on uh on TV in Australia who said well uh, you know, I don't really need Facebook. I'm actually going to use a technique that I got from my dad used to do this, which is I just set my homepage to the news site directly so that I don't need to click on links from Facebook. I just can see the news without them. That's devastating to Facebook. Well, I don't think Facebook believed. I don't think they started to be in the news business. And Facebook is different than Twitter. I mean, Twitter, you know, even Mastodon. The other sites seem that you're dealing with a much larger, larger group of people that aren't in your little circle that you would consider family and close friends, where Facebook, unless you're out there just friending everybody for whatever reason, does feel like a more closed community. And I don't necessarily understand why people even need to post news there except people just want to bloviate and be like i can't believe that trump did this or biden did this and they want to get other people to agree with them but there's plenty of other places to do that if facebook was strictly message back and forth between your friends share your photos do that kind of stuff i still think facebook could totally exist without without all of the news it could but it wouldn't be what it is today no but it might be better and and I mean, you know, just saying, oh, there's plenty of other places to posting it is is completely in violation of the network effect, which is the thing holding Facebook together. The reason, you know, when you want to virtue signal about some warmest propaganda, you post it to the place where, you know, you're going to see all of the other people. So if if I want to imagine that I had friends, um, if I wanted to 
send some news story to all of them, I would have to send it to where they are. And Facebook is where it is. Plus Facebook has the, I mean, the one of the most addictive things ever created by man, the like button that, that you just, you know, you post it and then you sit there and bask in the hammering of the thumbs up icon. Uh, and, and that of course gives you that dopamine hit, which is the thing that keeps you on the network. See, I never did that, but I know you like the hit you get on no agenda social. If you have the notification sounds on, that's how I get oh, yeah. your, that's how I get your attention. I just tag you in a post that a lot of people are going to reply to. So I know that somewhere in the corner of your house, all of a sudden it's going. And you're like, it what? does happen. And at some point I turn that off. <laughs> What's going on? It's- I mean, at, at least I don't cold acid that thing and and let the no agenda social sounds drop into the podcast <laughs> while not, we're recording. I I, if you know, if I'm not on my phone listening, like right before going to bed, I'm like, is that me? Oh, no, it's uh, it's yeah. cold. That's that is not actually I think it was I think the the one in the latest episode, I think, was Abel Kirby, but I can't be sure because they both do it. It is although, not although professional both of them podcasting. They, at least that what you know. By the way, the next time I'm listening to Rare Encounter live, I'm probably just going to start tagging him on everything just to see how much I, they can take in the live show before he finally shuts the damn thing off, like close the tab or something. But it's Wait. not quite as bad as when you go through the No Agenda show notes and you listen to some of John C. Dvorak's clips of past episodes. And right there in the clip is the Mastodon notification sound. But you could communicate with some people doing that. Like it's almost like, well, you can't really do Morse code because you can't do a like a different short and long, but you could have a series of little, little audio that you could pass on during rare encounter just by pinging those guys. That's interesting. Ooh. So what what you're saying is that if you want to activate your CIA assets, yes. then you just log on to and listen to the rare encounter live stream. You know what? They would welcome that. It's more content. Yes. They're like, they're, you can't believe what people are doing during our, I mean, like, podcast. so, you know, and here's what happened in anime for all of our CIA assets listening today. And, you know, they're all into it. All the, I mean, all the CIA assets are no doubt furries and weird things like that. Just to just to fit in to the uh, Rare Encounter. I mean, they do episodes about furries all the time at Rare Encounter. Everybody should check it out. RareEncounter.net. It's uh, Rare Encounter with Abel Kirby now featuring Cold Acid as a co-host. So you want so to check to, that out. To, to finish up my argument of what do you do if you're a government and you hate Facebook? Um, you know, for, I, it, it, I, not that any government bureaucrat is ever going to listen to me on this, but don't pick winners. It, it, we, if, if nothing else, the idea of what don't pick winners should be really, really obvious from the, the misguided lockdowns of the last 12 months. Oh, yeah. When, you know, governors out there would say, well, this company is essential and this company should go out of business. And they just started arbitrarily handing down death sentences to companies they didn't say were essential. And I know there's nothing good about that. And the consequences are devastating and and will continue to be for the next decade. We're we're not done feeling those effects. Uh, but uh, governments, whenever you step in and decide to pick winners and say, you know, like the Australian government now is is saying that we've decided that a uh, an aging old news model uh, or, or rather a a site which is clinging to the idea that they're part of an old news model, despite the fact that they're not providing the value that that model used to provide is somehow more worthy of making it in the market than a social network. And it, there's no way that's going to work out. So don't pick winners. But one thing you can do uh, with Facebook specifically, and this also affects Google um, 
and I don't, I don't know if Australia has a, a law like this or Canada, but I bet they know how to make new laws. Um, but in the United States, we could just enforce the Sherman Antitrust Act of 1890. Uh, that is a 130 year old law that says doing exactly what Google and Facebook are doing in the area, not social networks. They're not a monopoly in social network because if somebody doesn't want to use Facebook. There are plenty of other places they could go. Sure, they fighting against the network effect. Right. But that's not where they're a monopoly. They are, however, a monopoly in advertising. And that is the industry that is making them so powerful. And that is the place where you could just enforce the law on the book, the Antitrust Act, against the duopoly of Google and Facebook. And you would see some reforms right the freak now without having to pick winners and losers. But how do you artificially just bring somebody else into that game as a player on the advertising side of it? That's the hard part about it. It's like, okay, so Google and Facebook are delivering a majority of the ads that people see online. How do you change that? Well, you get traffic. First of all, it's not artificially. If, if you do something to slap down the monopolists, then, uh, in in a an actual free market, which I understand that what we have is is looking less and less like one, but in a free market, if you take down the monopolist, if you take down the big players in in the sea, if you take out the big fish, then hundreds or thousands of little fish are all going to swarm into the vacuum that was created, and people like Sir Carl, who run a, a small marketing company, are going to swoop in and offer services to the people who lost their advertising organization when Google was suddenly banned from being a monopoly. But they're already doing that, so that is the are issue. They? Yes, I mean, there's plenty of people you can buy ads from. I mean, the fact that the two are the biggest are the biggest doesn't mean then there's not the competition. Problem? You can start a marketing then, then company. I'm, I'm not today. sure I understand. If there's plenty of people offering advertising, I'm not sure I understand what what the problem is. I don't know. Because I mean, the, the Antitrust Act offers several remedies. One of them is is breaking up the company so it competes against itself. Uh, I, I don't know if that's likely to happen or, or even possible. But another is is you just step in and say, you know, you're not allowed to be in this industry or you're not allowed to to own more than a percentage of the industry there there's lots of of things you can do but all of them pretty much involve taking a monopolist and making them not the only power and in the market system the main way to do that is to reduce their influence over the market suddenly there becomes a vacuum in the market and all the little players start flooding in and you have competition again but you have That's, competition people just aren't choosing them and that's the problem. I mean, this is the same effect as eBay. You could start a thousand different auction sites today. A vast majority of people are still going to go to eBay. And then people will cry that they're a monopoly, but they're not because there's a bunch of people competing. Nobody just cares to use the competitor. That's do, do, the problem. Do, do you think that if you ran a marketing firm that you would be able to put ads up on Google search? Well, of course, you could buy Google ads as a marketing, firm. not not by. Well, then then you're you're using the Google services, which is feeding my point that Google is a monopoly in ads. For well, if you want to advertise on Google, of course, you'd have to go to Google. But now okay. say say grumpy old Ben's was using Google ads. If Carl's marketing company said to us and says, hey, I've got ads that I can run on your site for X amount, then you could take that offer. Yes, but uh, 
aren't, aren't you the one who always tells me that the, the main reason for not leaving Twitter is that that's where the eyeballs are? Yeah, but that doesn't the mean they don't have competition because we know they have competition. The the eyeballs are on Google search. And if, if you right. are enforcing an anti by the way, I so to get the I, eyeballs off of Google the, search, you'd have to take them somewhere else. But you're going to have to force the general public to get off. There's no way to do it. That's the problem. Well, if somebody well, is no, the best one, at one what of they the, do, there's one no of the way to get beyond that. One of the potential antitrust remedies against Google would be to separate search from advertising into separate companies. And if that happened, then it would definitely be a violation for the companies to collude and say that Google is the only people who can put ads on Google search. But it really wouldn't change anything because you'd still have two huge conglomerates that would still kill any small marketing company anyway. If if Carl's marketing company could sell the search, the ad slots on Google search, then and and a, a thousand other marketing right. and companies you think like he's that going to be able to compete with a large see that's an other issue because those sites can go well no we want to advertise with who's going to get us the most bang for the buck and that's not going to be carl's that's the problem what, what, but you, you can't mean force sites? it because then well, if you're the, saying you want to advertise on google well now you're selling advertising to google is what you're but, doing but i started this i started this with the assumption that you're that you are a a government who Government bureaucrats and politicians exist under the assumption that, yes, you can force it. And that that was I mean, if are you if you're talking about, is there a pure market based solution? But you can't really force it without just nuking the whole site. What do you think the government of Australia is trying to do? They're trying to force it. But which isn't going to work. That's the point. It's not going to work. And if you can nuke, okay, so you can shut Facebook down. Let's just pretend we could press a button and Facebook disappears. The world is all of a sudden a better place. And sure, 50 different places all pop up and they're all equally popular. No, one site's probably going to win again because that's human nature. Well, eventually. But that's not going to lead to really I mean, the, true competition. Eventually, one the, site's going to rise to the top again, and then you're going to do this all over again. Because, wow, 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 this site was w- too successful. One, one of the ideas behind the Antitrust Act is that you you bring a really big hammer, and every time a monopolist emerges, you hammer it down, and then you get 10, 15 years of, of true competition before another monopolist emerges, and then you hammer that down. That's the the whole idea behind having an antitrust act yeah but in the internet Uh, age it's no longer 10 or 15 years it's like 10 or 15 minutes that's the difference right well uh, maybe it is but but what i'm saying is if if you are if you are in the position of of being the one wielding government power against companies for the purpose of trying to enforce equity on them and and i i would never work for government for reasons that i really don't believe this but if you are in that position then uh, the the idea is every time that something gets out of whack, you just send people with guns to seize a data center somewhere and they come right back into whack until they go out again. And and th- I mean, that's central planning in a nutshell. If, if you are centrally planning your economy, then you need to constantly be sending people with guns everywhere, trying to make sure that those dirty humans with their dirty tendencies to engage in free market without government interference those people keep engaging voluntary transactions on their own without you and you need to teach them that that's not right and so you need to make sure that every single time somebody comes up and becomes more successful than someone else that you slap them down and uh, you know from one perspective that's exactly what facebook has done and google has done 
is they became more successful than everybody else. Yeah, but you know who was really, really successful at one point? MySpace. <laughs> Where are they now? There was GeoCities. Remember GeoCities? Oh, my God. Um, things come and go in the technological world. Some sites people never thought would disappear have disappeared. There was a time when Google, as we talked about on one of the last shows, was just the little, oh, I think I can. I think I can. They were the underdog search engine. This is what happens. Somebody else comes out with a better idea, and that's how you get traffic away from Facebook. That's how you get traffic away from Google is by letting the market do what the market's going to do. And hopefully there's another Zuckerberg sitting somewhere right now, maybe listening to us going, hey, I have a really good idea. And, you know, the next thing you know, they're billionaires. Yeah, And, you know, Google became what they are today because early on, at least they offered a superior product. Uh, Nowadays, uh, people use it because of inertia, but inertia only lasts so long. And the Google search product is kind of crap. The first two results are obviously ads and all down the right and left side bars are all ads and there's ads in between each result. And and it's really it's really kind of a terrible product. And so Google search is in fact, um, I mean, there's a hell of a lot of inertia behind it, but it is starting to fail. And there are, you know, there are companies like DuckDuckGo, there are companies like StartPage, there are companies like the, the 12 other search engines who, which we meant bring up on every show. And yet somehow I continue to be unable to remember their names. Search S-E-A-R-X is one. There's a few, uh, few other good ones out there those didn't exist five years ago or eight years ago the you know uh, in i think that the the google peaked in about 2012 when there was google search and then there was live search or was it being by then whatever there was the microsoft one which all sucked and really hardly even produced competition but it was it was there and then there were a few others like people, some people used Yahoo search because they created their account in 1993 and hadn't changed it by then. I think yep. as far as I'm aware, that's the only reason anyone uses Yahoo anymore. I got some but, going back that far. But that was like, that was it. And it, because Google was the search was good and it was, I mean, it gave you what you needed. It, it, they didn't track that much. And so, I mean, what, what do people use search engines for? I, want to find a thing and i know it's out there on the internet show it to me and google accomplished that without too many terrible side effects and so in about 2012 there were only a couple search engines now there are 15 search engines all of which are equally as good as google uh, but don't produce as many ads and are not tracking you as much and therefore are objectively creating a better product and at this point you know there there's a Certainly an inertia problem where it's not changing fast enough, but it is changing. There there are competition starting up in search. Oh, there is. And the interesting thing with the search is I think a lot of people have no idea because I get it. Remembering domain names is harder. Maybe for some people, I don't have that issue, but there's a lot of people that use Google or whichever search engine for every site they go to. So if they're looking to, if they want to go to the grumpy old Ben site, rather than going into the address bar and typing in grumpy old they go to Google and type in grumpy old Ben's and then go, Oh, look, there's the oh, result. Yeah. Well, that, that that's not a surprise at all. In fact, that that's not unique to Google. For example, uh, do you know what the top two searches were when, when I was working on MSN search and we, we saw the aggregate results of everything. You know what the top two queries were? Google. <laughs> 
and Yahoo. <laughs> so the, in fact, the number one query that we got in our engine was the word Yahoo. Everybody's sitting on Bing going, how do I find Google again? Well, huh. it was, I mean, it, it, the reason was that you install Windows and you launched Internet Explorer six or whichever version. I think I think it was six still. You installed it. And by default, it always homepaged you to MSN.com. And there was a bunch of crap on that site that nobody cared or nobody wanted. They were just wasting bandwidth downloading it. But that's what Microsoft did. And there was a box at the top that let you type in what you wanted. And when you don't, you, when you're not tech savvy enough to even know how to change your homepage, the only thing you know is, well, my grandkid told me that if I wanted something, I just type what I want into this box. Right. So you want Yahoo, you type Yahoo into the box. You want Google, you type Google into the box. And then from there, you know what you're doing because that looks familiar instead of the ever changing this grid of icons with news stories of celebrities you'll never care about that was msn.com or whatever the homepage was yeah it, microsoft was so terrible but they own the operating system and they use that to leverage people into going to a site nobody wanted to go to right which everybody bitched and moaned about that as well because that's what people do now how meta I'm, I'm doing a search for i did a search for google on google and without even now, there should be a joke here. There is a lot of Easter eggs in Google. It just gives you Google. That's the top result. So if you Google Google on Google, the first search result is Google. But yeah, I don't think any bets. That's a paid result. <laughs> They're paying themselves. It doesn't say ad, <laughs> but that would be kind of funny. Like this is how we can sell a lot of our ads as we sell them to ourselves. So that way it looks like. We have a ton. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some kind of internal accounting thing that makes that a viable choice. It may be. I mean, this is the weird thing with Internet companies, because I think we all understand the capitalist system that as a company grows, it always wants to expand. There's no question about it. no matter what you're doing. You I, once once you IPO, that's actually a fiscal requirement, in fact. Right. So in this case. A lot of people maybe don't remember because there may be people younger than us who don't remember the birth of the Internet when Yahoo, there was a time it was just a static index that real people had to you had to submit your site. They would go, hey, let's take a look at it. And then they would decide if it should be in their index and where there was no Google I, Mail. There was no Google News. Same thing with uh, with Yahoo. That is when I, Google, I, I have thing. a I have I have a, a paper book on my shelf only a few feet away from me that wow. is called the internet phone book. Yes. And it purported to be a complete listing of all 10,000 plus websites on the internet. See, now here's the thing. I remember working with my buddy Jeff on a website way back when called women of country, which was a country music website that was dedicated to female artists. And one of those books came out that included that, site and it was like oh celebration time we're in the index that was huge and i can tell you i bought the book at a uh at a uh borders bookstore which long gone yep. now but you see this is again <laughs> the why didn't we prop up all the bookstores because they weren't making money because, because yeah because when when an industry stops making money it, it is intended to fail that's the, that that's the right way to do capitalism yes but that's i mean google started as a simple search engine there wasn't really a lot of money in internet advertising at the time 
but there was no Gmail. There was no Google Docs. There was no all of these other things that they have expanded into. Yeah. There was no Google Buzz. There was no Google Reader. There, oh, wait. You know, well, there's a lot all of those. The, they do things, the things that don't that always work. Yeah. I mean, that's again, because, you know, this is what these companies, even like you said, internally on these small projects, they try something and it's like, I, was it working? I, no? I, I may. OK, Google Buzz failed legitimately. They tried to become the next Facebook and there was already a Facebook and that didn't work. Oh, see, uh, OK, Google, now that makes a really good point, because th- that was the question here. How do you compete with Facebook? If Google can't compete with Facebook, then who can? Because they've got the eyeballs. Well, some somebody with a good idea. Well, I don't think any of the social media uh, sites I, like that are know, good ideas. But but Facebook didn't crush MySpace by being a clone of MySpace. They created something new. They created the you know the like button and the following and, and you know a number of new things. Uh, you know, Twitter didn't become popular by being another another MySpace or Facebook or something else. They created something new the 140 characters and follow each other the uh yeah you you don't you don't create google buzz they tried to create a facebook clone and there was nothing about that there was no reason to go to buzz when the network effect favored facebook and there was no there wasn't even any features it was like okay well you're you connect with a google account instead of a facebook account is that a feature like why would i ever go to this i i understand that and the you know the next thing that's going to kill facebook which uh, again my prediction is that uh something decentralized like the fediverse is is the thing that's going to kill the the web 2.0 social media networks uh and the reason is that the the killer feature now and uh, is is decentralization is the fact that i you know i can run my instance that is i am the one running the server and i am the only user on it and therefore it, it, you know why, why is that a feature well it's a feature because twitter and facebook and and all the big social media networks now are making their product worse with their constant fact checking and censorship and and that is you know facebook when google came out with google buzz facebook wasn't censoring three quarters of what they were creating and giving everybody incentive to not want to be on the platform now they are and people who are looking at this going I can't repost this without getting a copyright strike uh, are, are now going, well, maybe I'll think about some other network. And and that is, that's what's killing Facebook and that's what's killing YouTube. And and that's, it, yeah, it takes a long time for them to die, but it, it, you know, how do you replace Facebook? Well, in its heyday, when it's good for everybody, maybe you don't, but when it's become corrupt and decadent and, and turning into a crap product, then something new will come up. Yeah, they're imploding. I mean, YouTube, there's no doubt, is imploding with the with things they're doing. But I, I have a more pressing question. Were you shagalic on uh, MySpace? Uh, not to my knowledge, but I did do a lot of drinking back then. <laughs> there is there is a Ryan Bemrose on MySpace that uh, shagalic was the name. So, I mean, that sounds no, like I something you might come up with. Possibly be. I don't think I had a MySpace account. <laughs> I had a LiveJournal account way back in the day. But Damn. I don't think I ever had a MySpace account. Live Journal gone. So many of those platforms. Oh, Live Journal still exists. Just nobody knows about it. It's the best. Uh, well, I, I think that the vast. Well, I, I don't know what it is now, but the last time I paid attention to it was five years ago and it had become either a Russian or Brazilian. It was like it was all in a language that I didn't recognize, except that the archived pages from 2004 are still there. Is- if you. If you knew what my handle was on LiveJournal, 
you would be able to find the two years or so I put up maybe 40 blog posts on there, all of which were kind of the same thing I do on grumpy old Ben's, which was uh, just ranting and opinion. Anti-establishment like, rants. Some of it. Yeah. That wouldn't um, surprise me. I did a lot of ranting. I, I, I was, I was taking the bus to work and I did a whole lot of ranting about the, the bus system and the trains back then. Are we coming to the end of the advertising model? On the internet, are we seeing oh, yet so. that it just doesn't work? I mean, I noticed the other day watching uh, it must have been Brian Brushwood's show, The Modern Rogue, on YouTube, and it is going through my normal system. I made sure that it was going through the router with the pie hole, and the fifteen-minute video or so, four or five times, it stopped to put commercials in the middle and if that's what they're going to start doing i think content creators will need to get that's not the death of the advertising model that's the death of youtube youtube is flailing around but that is part of it and and again you know we did not have rumble or bit shoot or uh uh no agenda dot video or yeah i don't remember what the site is but there we there are there are hundreds of alternatives, places where you can now go and upload videos that don't censor, that don't show an ad every five minutes. That And again, when, when YouTube was good, there weren't a hundred alternatives out there, all of which were good. Now, YouTube is destroying their own product with an oversaturation of ads, with censorship, and there are a lot of other people, you know, as, as soon as the the network effect plus the sheer amount of money that Google has to pour into it is going to make YouTube continue to exist for a long time, but they're going to go the way of dig Their Their people are just going to stop using YouTube and they'll be like, well, I want to post something, but I've already got two copyright strikes and I can't afford another one. And they might find, you know, uh, three notes of a background song that might've been played by a bicyclist who went by while I was recording. And I can't, I can't risk that. So let's put it on rumble instead. And, and people will make that. And that's what's going to destroy YouTube. And and maybe YouTube doesn't go all the way. I mean, Dig still exists, I think. But yeah, there's three of. people using it. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, Slashdot still exists. There's four people posting now. Uh, yeah. OK. But the, the commonality the, the, with sites like YouTube and even Twitter and maybe even Facebook is they were actually decent sites before they worried about making money. All of these sites start up with, we have yeah. a really great idea and people flock to the idea and then they go, oh crap, how do we make money with this idea? And then they ruin it. Yeah. And, and, and uh, by the way, um, who's, who's worried about making money by putting up a Mastodon server so far? Not Aaron or nobody, <laughs> <laughs> but, the- but, but if, if, you know, especially when it, it gets big and it starts to real like, what we're seeing yes. now, especially with no agenda social, where yes. they're 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 actually talking about cutting off new users when they hit 10,000 because Mastodon is getting the network effect. They are starting. We are getting to the point. My my mom now has a Mastodon account we are. We are getting to the point where the people we want to talk to are on Mastodon for for three years. The only people I could talk to on Mastodon were you and Adam Curry and Cold Acid and maybe four other people. You know, Progo was there. But he didn't post. But now everybody wants to be there, which means everybody's there, which means that I don't 
have to go to Twitter for anything. I don't have to go to Facebook. I, I, I didn't before, but, but imagine I'm, I'm a normal person. People don't have to go other places anymore. Their, their friends are not only on Facebook. Their friend, a lot of the people now, the people they want to reach are on Mastodon. Mastodon's getting bigger. When it becomes big enough, somebody is going to figure out how to try to monetize it. And if they do the heavy handed way that the centralized networks did before, then they're going to run up against what Adam Curry always says. You can't monetize the network, but you can stir, sure screw up the network trying. Well, I'm sure there are Mastodon instances that are doing things like selling ads or perhaps charging a yearly fee I, for people. I, I am reliably informed by the troll room that uh, Abel Kirby is actually the one person who is using dig and propping the whole site up. Well, that's good. Somebody should. But do we ever talk about what it costs to run no agenda social? I'm not sure if we I, ever mentioned this guy. I, I asked. I, I honestly don't know. Do you have that information? Because I'm interested. I do. I asked Aaron because I was curious because this Larry from that Larry show, that Larry show dot com. You should check his show out if you haven't was like, oh, should I create a Mastodon instance? And I, this was right after you had set up your personal one. And you're like, wow, it, it takes a lot of disk space because it's caching everything. And so I, I knew the hardware costs and everything involved around it would be somewhat excessive but here is i mean no agenda social is a mastodon server closing in on ten thousand registered users how many of those are active probably a third of that it's you can probably yeah. get better stats I, looking i i know there are servers out there that have more registered users than no agenda social but i'm not sure there are many out there that have more active users now the non it's definitely one of the bigger ones by now the non-recurring costs, according to Ariner, was uh, $1,000 for the PC, which he built himself, uh, $1,000.5 for three UPS network, uh, for the uh, UPS network modem servers. Uh, then he's like, he doesn't even want to get into the cost of the networking gear. But the recurring costs, 200 bucks a month for internet, 20 bucks a month for Cloudflare, 30 bucks a month for electricity and double that for the warm months because you need AC, about 30 bucks a month for blob storage and $2 a month for uptime monitoring. So I figured this out for a site of this size. The first year is going to cost about seven grand, which is not cheap for, no. for, for people just to throw this together. And he's finally putting something together over on no agenda social in order for people to send some value back yeah. his way i was gonna say i uh, one of the one of the things that that led to the the site becoming as big as it was is because nobody's charged and, and it, he does it all for free but somewhere along the line he needs those costs offset yes if you're i mean you figure even with the hardware costs some there will be hardware failure things like that but even with just the recurring costs you're at about four to five thousand dollars which means if you have 10,000 people on the site, you could charge literally a buck a year and make your money back. So this, yeah. is, this isn't bad, but people are, I want free. Well, then get the hell off. I mean, if you can't yeah. throw a little value back. I, well, and, and you know what the beauty, the most awesome thing about Fediverse is? I want free. Okay, go set your own up. Yes. And you can't. You, we're good. You can follow. We're federated. Yes. So you can still get the messages. And and so if, and, and eventually it's going to be the point, you know, especially when Mastodon and Fediverse start, you know, do you, they, when we get to 
I mean, there's a lot of people on there, but but there's not Facebook numbers on there. No. When when ten times the number of people are on there now are on there and the network and the protocol start running into genuine scaling issues. And I don't know what those issues are, but I know that they were going to run into some horrific scaling issues because that always happens as a site grows or yes. as a system grows. Um, then there will be a point I, I expect where you're going to have paid instances and free instances and the free instances are going to be slow and they might be full of spam and they might be, uh, you know, maybe unreliable, sometimes up, sometimes down. And the paid instances are going to be faster. They're going to be more reliable. And everybody is going to be making the decision of their own on the, on their own right. of, do I want to pay a dollar a year for reliability of my social network? Or am I cool with, oh, you can only access it six hours a day. And I know there are some people who are going to go each direction on that decision. And that's one of the beauties of, of a decentralized system where you've got competition, different people with different priorities. If I know that I'm only going to be logging into anything once a day and I don't even care what time it is, then maybe I don't care if it's up 24 seven. Right. Well, yeah, if it's your own personal one, you're, you're cool with whatever, whatever you yeah. want to use it. Now, now I'm not spending a thousand dollars a year or whatever it is on, on bandwidth no. or or hardware I, I i'm running it on a freaking like I, a pc from 2014 that i happen to have laying around that i threw debian on and does that i mean that works pretty well right once you get it set yeah, up I for i i've got i've got seven users and uh you know the vast majority of the impact from that is when you know seven users are following people from the fediverse then I it, every time that they go view something, then it retrieves stuff from other Mastodon servers and caches it, which is I mean, that's a bit of a hit on a bandwidth on bandwidth for each message. And it's the caching is is a disk space chore. So I've I've got it aggressively at this point. I've got it set to uh, 14 days, anything 14 days older, older, and it just deletes it, which means if somebody actually scrolls back that far, then they'll have to go retrieve it again. Right. But I, I mean, it's not horrible. For seven users, I can run it on a VM on that Debian box and it, it all works great. But if I were trying to run this for 10,000 users, then it, it would melt. And then I'd be sitting here going, yeah, you get you get 30 seconds of uptime a day or you pay me. Right. Because Mastodon wasn't meant to recreate a Twitter like atmosphere in the sense of everybody's on one server. It was meant to be federated. It was meant for people to run their own. So, as you said, you've got your fa- you know, family members on them. That makes sense. You could go out and talks to everybody else out in the world. Nobody can, you know, do anything to re- well, they can block your instance, but otherwise they can't keep you from getting messages, following people that are on open sites. I still say the killer feature with Mastodon, and I'm sure this would be a resource hog, would be now when you're on Bemrose.social or whatever it is, because you're part of the no agenda community, if you could roll the no agenda social instance their local timeline into your local timeline where it would look like you're all on the same server that would be the killer feature but of course that is adding a lot of resources but i think that is what people that's how you recreate this without having that would be an awesome feature and i don't know why it's not being done why i can't just click okay i started my own mastodon instance or you could also use pleroma and there's other different uh programs that you can use because they all interact together in the same I mean, way in in theory that's what the federated timeline is supposed to be but i don't think that one's implemented very well like the, the 
the federated timeline on no agenda social is pretty close to useless because because the way it's implemented is anytime somebody on your instance follows somebody out on the fediverse then it brings in a bunch of stuff like that 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 comes from that server from that person whatever and it there there's enough people who've all followed shit i don't want like basically every time that cold acid or abel kirby follows some anime chick then i'm like i don't need this in my feed yeah the reality is what you need is that fediverse feed if you could choose the instances you do and don't want to be a part of that that would be helpful but i i feel like that's um that there is there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity and i think this is opportunity in in the mastodon or pluroma software because i'm not sure how else you would do that but there's a lot of opportunity for things like custom feeds that would be that would be where you start building killer features. And what I want to see is different instances, customizing the software different ways and coming in be like, uh, you know, okay, come over to grumpy old Ben's dot social because we have this new method of creating a, a hybrid local feed that brings you a feed of you plus any instances you want to bring in. I mean, however that works, if, if, Grumpy old Ben's dot social is the only place that has that. That becomes a, a a selling point, and that I mean, now you're talking true competition amongst federated social network sites. You you have people competing on on features, on reliability, on the quality of the network without having to fight against lock in from the network effect. That's how social networks should happen. Right. Well, you're right. You take what is available and then you can customize it. I was thinking about that even with the Motu box that I use for doing all my audio stuff, running this podcast through the Motu box right now, where I have it set up for multiple mix minuses. So if I wanted to add somebody else along with you, we could add them and still record everybody onto a unique track. And I was thinking, well, this device right out of the box has the ability, but the software doesn't do it. So this then leads to innovation where you could go and charge if you really wanted to, to teach people how to do it, or you could put your configuration file out there, you know, charge or do a value for value thing, however you want to do it, but say, hey, okay, if you need a podcasting setup, instead of you taking hours to do it, buy this file for me, and then it'll, you know, your device will all of a sudden just automatically be set up the same way mine is, and it should just work. So this is there's a lot of stuff that could be innovated if it would just be allowed to do so. All of the closed garden stuff, that's where a lot of the problems lie. And I think we're going to start seeing we talked about it with Twitter it's going, you know, if we uh, if we federate, if we if we expand, if we go decentralized, we are not responsible for so many things. I mean, Twitter's a lot of their problems disappear. If people on Mastodon could all of a sudden interact with the people on Twitter, because then you can't block those people. You know, if Donald Trump gets his own Mastodon server, I mean, okay, you can, but it becomes a lot harder for somebody on Twitter to cancel somebody on another instance. So it's a it's an interesting concept on how that would all work. But things things change. I was just thinking uh, how nice that again how easy it's going to be to uh, do the chapters file for this episode. We are an hour 20 in and we're still on our first topic. I love it. See, um, there, There's so much intrigue in this topic and there were so many uh, little subtopics that we hit. That, I mean, there could be oh, yeah. probably 50 chapters in there. 
Oh, there could be, but since I, that would require work, there might not be. <laughs> I like the people that are like, yeah, I'll tell you the chapter for my podcast. It started, it ended. I think it was boobery. It's like, yeah, yeah. that's going to be really helpful to the people listening to your show. Well, I, I mean, the, the people who want that don't look at the chapters anyway. True. I would guess. I mean, I mean, when, when, when I listen to a podcast, you know, I, the thing is, it's, it's a little weird for me to be doing chapters because I really don't have much of a concept of what people want in chapters because I don't consume chapters myself. And so uh, what I end up doing is, is I put in a time code for when a segment starts talking about something. And then I pull some line that I thought was particularly pithy or insightful or just funny. And, and name the chapter, which is really not descriptive at all, but I don't care because I'm not consuming the chapters and nobody's complained. So it we're just, good. It's able to bring people back to different parts of the episode, but podcasting is changing with the podcast index, the podcasting 2.0, Adam Curry and Dave Jones. I thought this was an interesting story from uh, Torrent Freak because I we we've talked about what's going on with the Sphinx chat and a few others now with the value for value being shared while you're listening to podcasts, which is you can set it up where, oh, while I'm listening to Grumpy Old Ben's, send these guys a quarter of a penny every minute or whatever you have it set oh, yeah. up to do. That's that's the value block that that podcasting 2.0 is pushing. And is it is it just Sphinx yet? Do you know if, if any other apps have jumped on that yet? They were supposed to be some other stuff coming out. I haven't seen anyone for sure that has it built in. I know the uh, podcast addict, which I use, has been adding things fast and furious. So I would expect them to have it at some point. But I never considered this value tag for anything outside of the podcasting space, which I think uh, it's kind of short-sighted because there's a story out of Torrent Freak, which this was the uh, Delft University of Technology out of the Netherlands, I believe, who is working on a project on streaming music that would take away all of the middlemen. It's torrent-based, you know, as far as how the bits get moved around. And I'm thinking when they're talking about this on how artists can, you know, instead of putting your music on, say, a Spotify where, you know, Spotify takes like 80 percent and maybe they give you a little a little something. If yeah, people play it, your tracks, it's pennies per song. Yeah. Yes. Now, instead of doing that, you as an artist or, you know, or a record label, no, nothing would stop there. But as an artist, you can put up your music using this particular system and this doesn't talk about this but i'm like why is nobody incorporating the value tags i mean you could have this so if people want to stream your music they're paying you know whatever it is a half a penny a song or less whatever the amount comes out to be but you could build that whole aspect that adam curry and dave jones are building into podcasting and really take care of a lot of streaming music issues because well, I think, I think, I think podcasting is the, the test bed for the value tag. And if it, if it gets to a point where it really catches on and people start making real money using that, then I assure you, you're going to see that move into a lot of other places. Yes. I, then this would be the place that it would make most sense that artists can make money. People are, 
for better or for worse, yeah, music consumers are way too comfortable at this point consuming streaming music. Not me. I never. Well, I won't say never, but 99% of the time, not streaming. I have. I, the- can, I, I consume streaming music all the time for an hour before every grumpy old Ben's show for two hours before no agenda show. You don't listen to those shows, but I get the idea, (laughs) but that's not how I'm consuming. I'm getting them off my hard drive. And lately I've been listening more to vinyl because well, one let's be honest, there's not a whole lot of great television shows to watch. So rather than just sitting down and watching television, it's become a thing over the last few weeks, which is before you turn the TV on, sit down, grab an album and listen to that first good old vinyl. And it's still amazing to me, the quality of audio that you can get on just a physical disc that was pressed. And then, you know, something dragging along it. And it's, it's kind of bizarre to think about because I, it may just be because the speakers on that system are huge JBL speakers. And it's a decent Ankyo amp that, that's the biggest difference between listening to music at the computer with my headphones on or listening to the Logitech, you know, surround sound system I have on the computer with the little satellite speakers and subwoofer. So, I mean, that may just be the speakers are a big part of it, but the quality that, that you have a, a speaker system that isn't either headphones or your phone already marks you as an old person. Yes. And I mean, the speakers are, I think, 75 pounds a piece. So, I mean, they're big. JBL speakers, um, but they move the air and they sound really, really good. And com- they move the air better than your furnace. That they do. <laughs> that is sadly, you know, the other day that was definitely true. They would definitely push more air than the furnace was. But the way people consume music is just so different because there's a totally different experience to background music to active listening and that even volume just listening to vinyl if you listen to it at a low volume yeah the music is there it's fine you can hear it but for me once you get up there's a sweet spot where it goes from yeah okay music is playing to holy crap it sounds like they're in the room and that's when things kind of switch over and i don't know if anybody listening just you know now with streaming music ever gets that and i know neil young has his high res streaming title or something. If that's still even around, I think it is, but I mean, back, back when, when testing audio for windows, uh, we, we had to take psychoacoustics in mind. We always tested it at three DB before below full spectrum, which is for most systems, very, very loud. And the reason is that, uh, all things being equal, uh, you know, if you AB test between two exact same waveforms and one of them is louder than the other, the, uh, the louder one will sound better. Yes. Well, yeah, it seems more in your face. And yes, NetNet, you are old because you have floor speakers and I have no name. The JBLs are L7s, which are long out of production, but sometimes you can find them. I mean, they're getting harder to find cheap, but there was a while you could find these things on eBay for like 250 bucks a speaker because people just wanted you to come get them because shipping these things again, 75 pounds a piece and they're tall and not easy to box up. So there was a lot of people like, would you just please come get these? My wife doesn't like big speakers. (laughs) That's how you get some really good deals on stuff like that. If you can go out and grab those things. Yeah. Well, back at, uh, at the fraternity house, when uh, every May 
uh, in a college town, you just look through the want ads and there's always somebody giving away something like that at, at the end of the semester. It was like, I'm graduating and I can't even fit these into my car to drive back across the state to home. And my parents don't want me to keep them. So free to a good home or, yeah, those, or you know, 25 bucks for an entire set or something like that. Yeah. Usually those are like the huge clip speakers or something like that, that, uh, that, you know, you turned them on in the fraternity house and three houses down would hear the music. Cause oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I've told the story about how one of those started a riot. Well, oh yeah. Well, I heard you were a part of a riot. I didn't know your speakers were a. I, I participated part. in. Well, I've I've been present for three riots. I only participated in one. I Is that like saying you didn't that inhale? I didn't, I didn't need to be on the ground at the time. I I I yes, I didn't inhale. There was tear gas, and <laughs> and I chose not to inhale. That was probably a good. Uh, it was probably a good no. I've, I've told that story, haven't I? The the one where uh, the, it was a party gone out of hand during finals week. Oh at, yes. at Washington State and. And uh, the cops decided that they wanted, they said, you know, everybody must disperse trying to be all authoritarian. And of course, these are college kids who didn't want to who disperse. They wanted to continue being drunk and uh-huh. in the street. And there was, of course, a bonfire in the street. So not uh, not entirely up to city code. But um, when the cops decided that they were going to disperse come hell or high water and fired their their, you know, two canisters of tear gas into the crowd and the city only owned two canisters of tear gas. And uh, everybody dispersed, went, disappeared into the houses. The cops came in formation in riot gear, uh, trying to charge down the street and, and, you know, just show a force. And somebody on the top floor of one of the buildings that overlooked the street turns one of those big ass speakers out and starts playing uh, Beastie Boys, fight for your right to party. <laughs> oh, did they? And they did. And the moment that that song started, the air was full of empty beer bottles and chunks of curb. The weirdest thing last week for me watching the news was Bill O'Reilly quoting the Beastie Boys. I was like, whoa, I I wouldn't think they would have been on his radar. But he used he's like, and to quote the Beastie Boys, sometimes you have to fight for your right to party. And I'm like, holy crap, what? Big Bill. I want to know what his musical tastes are. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I, you know, that, that is a timeless album. It it's is. also 23 years old. That album can drink now. Yeah, we are. We are getting <laughs> old. I remember getting those JBL speakers and I may have mentioned this before because I was living still at my parents' house. They live on a cul-de-sac and the delivery truck ended up being a semi and he got down to where the house was and then realized there was a cul-de-sac. And it was a nice winter oh. day. Yeah, it was. He got it done. I mean, I he did a damn good job yeah. doing it. But, uh, I, you know, it's a thing of beauty watching uh, a, a really good truck driver manipulate those long rigs. Yes, it, it's it, it just like I remember uh, you know, when I grew up, I lived on a, a real windy road that was it was steep and it moved back and forth. And uh, there was one the cul-de-sac at the end and they pulled one of those big ass trucks all the way up to the end and realized they couldn't turn around. And so I got to watch this guy back that trailer downhill down a windy switchback laden road. I just, I, when they know what they're doing, it's amazing. Especially when you realize they like they have no rear view mirror. They got to do it all through the side mirrors. Anyway, yes. total side note. Yeah, that's that takes skill. There's no question about it. And uh, you always appreciate the truckers. I mean, I cringe. There's so many videos you see online of like little sporty cars zipping in front of a truck and then things going horribly wrong because. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, well, they they might be really good with the truck, but there's only so much you can do against inertia. Yeah. It's yeah. the the little dumbass who who will zip, you know, is trying in in traffic and the the truck is is rightfully so leaving a nice big gap just in case traffic goes crazy and that gap is treated by every little dipshit in a in a compact car as oh i can cut in here and then they cut in and then they look forward and realize that traffic's not going as fast as they do they slam on their brakes and now they end up being turned into a pancake by the truck who truck plus physics means there's nothing that driver could do Uh uh-huh have a nice day that's going to ruin yours though we should thank some experts we have some experts to thank as well that just means it's that time of the show where we let you know we appreciate what you guys are doing for us and that we need you to uh, kick more people in the crotch or whatever uh, we don't want you to hit them in the mouth because that's already being done and that would be you know if somebody already hit people in the mouth for the no agenda show then you wouldn't want to hit them in the mouth twice but if you're if you're kicking people in the crotch is that really the best advertising he's just like Okay, you know what? Everybody go out on the street and kick somebody in the crotch and be like, this is for Hog Story. (laughs) Okay, okay. No, maps with Matt. That's it. Kick somebody (laughs) in the crotch, yell maps with Matt, and run off and see if it helps. Now, if he gets more listeners that way, then we're totally in. Yeah, go up and kick somebody in the nuts or and be like, you just got hit by a rare encounter. (laughs) (laughs) See, I could see that, though. Abel Kirby and cold acid they they clip i, I want to hear i want to hear that clip pulled out and put played on the next show and you know they will they are clip well over at rare encounter they'll be like oh it's look, okay. they were talking about us it's it's okay cold acid had a, a really great one that was totally clippable and and he realized it at the moment that that it was going to be pulled out and used as an iso and uh yep you're right it is you'll probably hear it on hog story the next time Ryan Bembrose. Well, you'd be hearing it on Grumpy Old Ben's, except that I don't believe in soundboards. Right. Because they don't believe in you. I mean, it's only fair. But coming in, executive producer today is Sir Kilgore Trout OTDNB. So I'm thinking original something dude named Ben. OTDNB is, uh, it has to be I... dude named Ben. But OT, I mean, I, OG would be like original gangsta, but what is OT? dnb maybe i'm missing something and if so the troll room. it's it's code to rcia listeners yes. i think comes in with double nickels on a dime which is 5510 and says itm in the morning i'm chipping in 5510 just okay in the time chip in yes <laughs> chipping it in keeping up keep up all the great work a there's a pre-stream music request see if i'd read these he would have gotten that sunday but i'll get this on thursday if i can find it yes covering simon and garfunkel's america the longer, the better. See, okay, so Sir Kilgore is in on my concept of I want to do a pre-show with the least amount of songs possible. I think I could probably get it done in about five over the <laughs> hour and 50 minutes, five songs, just extended versions. But that's that's on the list of uh, I was I was just noting he he gave a timestamp in in the uh, donation. That timestamp was uh, about halfway through our show on Friday. So yes, that's when I came uh, in. If we. Well, I point out because if if we were participating in the podcasting 2.0 value block, then what we would have seen that as would have been a massive boost during the show, <laughs> during the live show. Right. Um, and, and and then, you know, one, one of the uh, the value prospects of the of the value block 
is that you see what part of the show the boost came in with. And so, you know, uh, oh, that thing that I said that was really funny. I need to, you know, I need to say that joke over and over again and run it into the ground because it makes me money. Right. Or they were talking about electrocuting rats. That's cool. And then a bunch of money comes in for that. You Something know, I, like that. Yeah. Cold acid mentioned that segment, too. I, I'm learning more and more that uh, they're listening to grumpy old beds. It's like, oh, you guys are actually paying attention. We don't even pay attention. So no, we appreciate that. I mean, somebody has to. Yeah, we appreciate that. Cold acid and Abel Kirby. Uh, coming it's, in. It's always fun when when I hear about somebody talking about on, on another show. Well, on Grumpy Old Ben's, they said this. And I'm like, I don't remember that. <laughs> and it was you saying it, which is always and it was me word. that said it <laughs> <laughs> like, damn, it's all performance art. I mean, but it's the the value is interesting. I, I still can't wrap my brain around the YouTube boosts, which you see that if you ever watch one of these YouTube videos where all of a sudden, like in the comments, there's like bloop. And then there's a, a dollar amount on it and somebody like putting money behind a comment just so they can get noticed and talked about in its real time. And I'm like, oh, maybe we should be on YouTube doing this. If people are going to give like 20, 50, 100 bucks just to get a comment on, you know, talked about or something on the. I, I mean, I've, I've some of the successful Twitch streamers have the same thing where uh, a, a boost comes in and it plays a jingle on the stream. and it, it, in money, fact, money, it's money, actually money, kind. Money. It's kind of infuriating when you watch something that was recorded off a Twitch stream, and and there's a constant jingle of somebody boosting it, and then he he stops mid sentences. Oh, and thank you, you know, Dog <laughs> yes. Whistle two oh seven for the five dollar boost. I'm like, it, it. You recorded this five years ago. Why do I need to know that Dog Whistle two oh seven did anything? Because the but only yeah. reason Dog Whistle two oh seven sent the money in was because in five years people will still be hearing about his thirty five cent donation. To, exactly to a youtube channel uh but it's an interest i mean there's interesting ways to monetize all of this stuff we believe in the value for value model coming in at 633 cameron white thank you cameron and coming in with his three dollar and fifty cent monthly donation like clockwork it's almost like he set it up on youtube and has never thought about it and has forgot he's still giving us money john fletcher of the hog story fletchers which you can listen to tonight live on the hog story stream hogstory.net yes. is where you want to be. Thank you, John Fletcher, and may you never remember to cancel that. Yeah, may you never remember to cancel that. Carolyn Blaney been talking about getting a new microphone. It never showed up. Like This was an order back in November. She finally yeah. canceled it, so she's looking for more microphone and, and ideas. Thank you, John and Carolyn and uh, Sir Seat Sitter for joining us during the post show last week, which if you listen to grumpy old Ben's from Friday yeah. and were confused why the cold opener that was chosen was never in the show at all, yep. it's because it happened during the post show, which is something that you only get if you are listening live at 9 a.m. left coast on Mondays and Fridays. Yes, that is the beauty of being on the no agenda stream, no agenda stream.com during the live grumpy old bands but we do work on the value for value model which means we do these shows we don't charge you anything for the shows we put them out there into the world you're listening to them maybe you were entertained maybe you were enlightened maybe you figured out something that's been bothering you for a long long time or maybe you just like the sound of ryan bemrose's voice whatever it is whatever value you're getting put that into a monetary amount did you not think anybody <laughs> was was doing that uh well, I, 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 no, I was just going to say that there are mental health hotlines out there that can help you with that. That's true. I mean, I listened to uh, Maps with Matt last night while going to bed. I mean, granted, I fell asleep in about 10 minutes because Matthew's voice is so very soothing and I couldn't help but 
just be, you are horrible. Yeah. Badger him for six months about getting a damn show out. And then when he finally puts out a show, you, you know, you giving him crap about where's episode five and giving him crap about it. Hey, I'm a, the guy can't win. Yeah. But the voice that opens this I'm, latest, you know what? I'm on team sir at you right now. Yeah. I can't Max stand with Matt is the is voice good, yeah. that opens his latest episode is horrible. I hope he edits it and gets rid of it. It's just, it's horrible, but I digress. The, if you've got some value, go to grumpy and use the donate button for PayPal one time or monthly, like John Fletcher of the hog story, Fletcher's hogstory.net. You can use the QR code or the Bitcoin address to do the, Bitcoin thing, or you can use the snail mail PO box address to send in a check or whatever you got. I mean, if you want to send in 10,000 in cash, that's cool, but uh, you can do that as well. And if you want to do the check route, folks like Amitas and uh, Progo have figured out and a truck driver that you can just go in to your bank's auto bill pay and say once a month, send this amount to the grumpy old Ben's guys. And you don't have to pay a penny for that to happen. Don't have to pay for a stamp. You don't have to pay for an envelope. You don't have to pay for the check. The bank just sends it to us. And then we just put it into our account and we don't have to pay a percentage to PayPal or to the Bitcoin bureaucracy or anybody. It's a beautiful thing. We dig the snail mail route. Old dig, school. Dig, dig, Yeah. Dig as opposed to D-I-G-G, which used to be a yeah. great site. And then Kevin Rose left that. Uh, I mean, Kevin Rose probably is. There was uh when we were thinking about doing a special episode, that was one of the questions. Shoot a cookie over. You were uh, going to bring on Kevin Rose. Well, this he would. I'd love to talk to Kevin Rose that, you know, he asked what shows influenced us. I mean, we've talked about the, of course, no agenda and twit and the JCDs, you know, both cranky geeks. And uh, there was another one before that, but uh, tech grouch. Yeah. And for me, though, it was Dignation with Kevin Rose and Alex Albrecht. That was the first. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah, that was the first big podcast I got into, and it was video. So it was really kind of cool watching that on the big screen, you know, way back when. It just felt like, oh, all of a sudden, regular folks. I mean, they weren't exactly regular. They had some. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> he's, regular he's folks. He's an angel investor. That's hardly regular. Yeah. But, but he was entertaining on the show. But you can. Well, the, the point was regular people can now have this you know, yeah. podcast video as well. And that was a whole lot of fun when they used to do the bit of Edward uh, 40 hands where they would scratch <laughs> two 40 ounce beers to their hands and oh, go yeah. through the episode just getting fall down drunk. That was we, uh, used, we used to do that to fraternity pledges. Well, I can see that. But then uh, there's probably no video of it. And you're trying. I mean, it's hard enough to try no, to do no, a that podcast. would be called evidence. Right. And trying to do a podcast, although I did that once which was episode 21 of the alt this podcast that I did with my buddy, Jeff. And I think I shared that one with you. It was uh, by the end. I, I do remember you sharing me some episodes of that one. And at least one of them, I was like, okay, 20 minutes in and you're both fall down drunk. Is yeah, this going to end well? Yeah, that was number 21. And at the end of that show, I did go down the stairs. We we're in the townhouse before we moved into this house. Uh, I went down the stairs, had a glass of water and then just, we went to the couch and that was it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've been there. I get you. I feel yeah. you. But we live, we learn, we learn, we live, whatever. But sometimes, I, I, you know what? And then 20 years ago, I, I had a liver and uh, alcohol tolerance where I could do that sort of thing where, you know, a pair of 40 ounce beers was a warm up, 
Uh, my senior year in college, uh, my roommate and I would split a 24 pack of beer because it was cheaper. That was, that was the warm up to go out to a night of drinking in the bars because it was cheaper than trying to get drunk in the bar. I can see that because college town, they knew yes. you morons would pay. Yes. And, and so it was, you know, it was uh, $10 for a 24 pack. Of course it was like Bush ice or something, or something that was just freaking awful, but it had alcohol in it and, you know, $10 for a 24 pack, or it was going to be, uh, I, even if you could catch it at happy hour, it was like $7 a pitcher. So yeah, obviously you, you get pre-drunk and, <laughs> but, but my tolerance, my senior year was such that I could down 12 beers. And that was the start of the night. Who do you think you are? Johnny Damon. I, I, I needed a few new livers back then. I, I could not do that today. Hangovers hurt when you're over 40. Yeah. There's a, there's a point where it becomes they're not really worth it and you yeah, just don't. not nearly as much fun to get that drunk anymore no no now it's like okay one or two glasses of whiskey and that will uh you got to cut it off you got to so cut it off. what i've got left even though we've only really covered one story of this show but i didn't prepare much i've got a couple of kroger stories are you interested yes because that was the next story on my list kroger, kroger to close seattle stores due to hazard pay yes, yes. well uh, so far, uh, the, the three cities that I've seen that, that have made big news by their city councils who are, uh, much more authoritarian than intelligent, um, have decided, uh, Los Angeles, Long Beach, which I guess is near Los Angeles, right. And Seattle have all very publicly, uh, virtue signaled and passed a rule that again, picking winners saying all grocery employees of stores will, have to have hazard pay which in uh in, in seattle and long beach were both four dollars for you know everybody right um, additional in seattle four dollars an hour yeah four dollars an hour i'm sorry uh four dollars an hour raise no matter what uh even even the person who's in the back packing boxes and is only part-time because they don't need the money you know I, I, it doesn't matter economics be damned you get four more dollars um in seattle the the new ordinance passed eight to nothing. They needed a three quarter majority of the city council in order to make it take effect immediately instead of take effect after a month. Um, so grocery stores got no lead in time. You are now required under penalty of law, under penalty of people going to your headquarters with guns. You are required to pay people more money. Fit this into your budget, bitches. Yeah. And Kroger, like they did in Long Beach, went, you know, we don't really need stores here. We'll just close. Thanks. And left. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I didn't realize because I'd heard of Kroger, the store, but I thought it was just a regional store. No, they are huge. actually a holding company for a crap ton of, of grocery brands. The stores in Seattle that are shutting down uh, go under uh, the name Quality Food Center or QFC, which I don't know if you've heard of, but somewhere in at least in the U.S., you are going to have heard of one of these stores, all of which are grocery stores under the Kroger umbrella. Uh, they run a stores, Kroger, Fry's, King Supers, Smith's, City Market, QFC, Ralph's, Jerby's, Gerby's, Baker's, Dillon's, Payless Food, Fred Meyer, Pick and Save, Metro Market, and Mariano's. 
Yeah. Mariano's is here, which is an interesting story, really, when it comes to uh, grocery stores. Mariano's was a guy that worked for one of the other local grocery stores here. I think it was the Dominic's brand, which is also gone. But he went out on his own, opened up a bunch of really high end grocery stores. There's one just down the street from here. We went only into it like three or four times, but it had, you know, like a food court where you could get. They had like Woodstone pizza, always making them. You want it fresh, they'll make it. They had a coffee little thing in there. You could get some really good muffaletta sandwiches. I mean, it was all very like yeah. frou-frou when it going, came down going to for, it. Yeah. I, I, the, the QFCs here kind of have the same setup where in front of their deli, they've got a number of tables and shit. Well, they don't now. They've taken it all out because, oh God, Corona. Right. But, um, but for a long time, they had the little like the little bistro area where you can sit down at a table in front of the deli and eat your food and try to pretend you're not in the middle of a grocery store. Right. That's exactly this. They even had a grand piano in this one where somebody would often be in just playing the piano. So as you walk into the store, it's like, Oh, how soothing piano music. And this concept of Mariano's lasted for maybe two or three years before Kroger Kroger came along and went, we'd like to buy that. And he went, okay. And, uh, then he wasn't happy with what Kroger did. So the guy that started the company is actually looking at starting another chain of grocery stores. So it's kind of a uh, never ending yeah. thing. But now Kroger, that's what my mom complains about. It's like that uh, the the Mariano's is now just like a Kroger. I mean, they're down to even using like Kroger bags and everything else. So they I'm they took sure what they was are. different and then just went, yeah, we're just going to make we're going to take this higher end and you know, we're just going to. We're going to Kroger on, on that list of brands that that I just uh, listed there. The only two that I really was familiar with were QFC, which we have all over the place up here. And I mean, they're they're a mix. They're they're about halfway between they're uh, halfway between Safeway and say Whole Foods. They're they're higher class than. But um, the other one was Fred Meyer, which I had no idea they got bought out by Kroger. But that explains why they started sucking. <laughs> that that uh, will happen they often. Were, Fred Fred Meyer was a, a local to Portland when I was growing up down there, and they I don't know that they ever expanded more than say fifty to hundred miles out of Portland, but um they were they were your everything store. They were like a, a mini Sears with the grocery department, and you could get everything you wanted there. And then somewhere along the line, they they started becoming Kroger. <laughs> yeah, and this concept that you could force somebody to raise the wage on every employee and be able to do it. Most of these businesses are running at fairly low margins to begin with. Oh, razor thin margins. The grocery industry is highly, highly competitive. Uh, you know, Kroger QFC is not just competing with the, they're competing with the Safeway that's three blocks away. They're competing with the Albertsons a little ways away. They're competing with the, you know, the Ralph's or Kirby's or Mariano's or whatever there, there are at any given in any given city, there's going to be five grocery chains that are everywhere. So you're competing with that, but you're also competing with the mom and pop corner stores that, that have a few items or, I mean, competition is incredible. Groceries is one place where you do not have monopolies. Right. Well, yeah, you're not going to be able like if everybody's selling a two liter of Coke for 99 cents, you're not going to be able to sell it for a dollar ninety nine and it really sell a lot of them because people will go. I remember Kim's grandparents, my wife's grandparents would used to go to like three different. That was their grocery day was a, one day each week, but they went to three different stores and they looked in the ads and they knew which ones had the better pricing on whatever. 
And yeah, that, that's more effort than I'm willing to put in. But yes, same. that's that's the kind of consumer behavior that causes the you need thin margins. And so yeah. This is the problem though. If you want to know how food deserts come into being when cities do something like this and all the grocery stores just go, you know, we got other stores. I'll see you later. And yeah. and then the mom and pop stores, the problem is they don't have stores somewhere else. And if they can't afford to pay these salaries, you know what they're going to do? Fire people, which in well, the end the, result, those raises are great if you have to fire a third but, of your but, workforce. But, but the Seattle City Council took this into account, which oh, is why they? the law that they passed eight to nothing only applies to grocery companies with more than 500 workers worldwide and stores with larger than 10,000 square feet. Oh, my God. So, again, we're going to choose who to apply laws to. That yeah. is such crap. It, yeah, we talked about this on Friday. Yes, it's, it's picking and choosing, picking winners. That seems to be what governments like to do these days. When 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 you're woke and you're authoritarian, you don't see any problem with creating new laws and and using the stick to force everybody to do what you think is right, even though you're a moron and don't have any clue what's right. Yeah, that's how city councils work these days. It seems. Yeah, and don't understand that all of those big companies that have those that amount of employees have them elsewhere, and they could just shutter the store in your city and yep. move on so i went i went and uh you know, i you sent you sent me the story from was it fox business and yes, uh, i, I went so. up and pulled up the local seattle times story on this one which seattle times is is a horribly skewed and biased paper they desperately want to be new york times but unfortunately they can't bring up the level of opinion needed to to be uh, of uninformed retardation so See, they can they hire occasionally you. They occasionally accidentally put in real facts into their stories. Um, so Seattle Times listed, uh, you know, something that, that globally nobody cares about the addresses. So I looked these up and I pulled up the, the Bing local or whatever it is and plotted out where are all of the QFC stores? There are 11 QFC stores in the city of Seattle. Two of them are closing, but then I pulled up all grocery and, uh, one of the stores was on a neighborhood called Capitol Hill, which is right outside of downtown. The QFC store that was closing is literally four blocks away from a QFC store that's remaining open. Yeah, well, so, that seems like, yeah, okay. So that makes people sense. are going to have to walk four more blocks. Not the worst thing in the world. The other one that's closing, though, was in uh, one of the northern neighborhoods. And uh, that one is, it was the only grocery store within a half mile. There was a Safeway about a half mile away. And, uh, another QFC about a mile and a half. Um, again, not the worst thing in the world. And if you have a car, you're just going to drive a little bit farther. But if you're walking an extra half mile is, is a bit to carry groceries. Um, what I'm wondering though, is this is just two grocery stores out of probably 60 in you know, or, or hundred in this city so far. Um, so far. So what happens? Uh, you know, how, how long does this law have to be in effect? Before more stores go out of business because they straight up can't afford it. Right. Because that's who's being hurt right now are the employees of the grocery stores that are closing. So the law yeah. that was meant to help the grocery workers just put out of business. How many? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kroger, who with with thousands of grocery stores across the entire country is not really hurting. They're just looking at this going, well, this one store isn't making money anymore. So bye. Right. But all the people who depended on the store, all the people who work there, all the people who who could only walk a couple blocks and were lucky that there was a store nearby. Um, yeah. Screw you guys. Well, this is the same thing as all the idiot Democrats. You, you, want, 
Then, you want food deserts? This is how you get food deserts. Yes. Well, this is like Elizabeth Warren. Like, we can always tax the rich more. It's like, no, you're hitting the point. You're hitting the point to where you can't. There's not always more there. You can't always raise the price for what these businesses or individuals have to pay where they still have more and they can still pay more. And you're hitting that and companies will start shutting down. And the end result is way more damage than you trying to give people a little bump in pay and forcing a company's wages, which I just don't understand how anybody deals with that. If you're a small business owner out there or any business owner, the government coming in saying you have to give everybody a $4 an hour raise, most people can't do it. And the business will go out of business. Absolutely. You are describing consequences of these ill-founded laws that the people didn't intend. If only there were a term for that. Idiots, politicians. Well, yes, that (laughs) I was going to say unintended consequences, but yeah, that's that. And that's the nature. Every time you create a law to try to force somebody to do something, you're going, you're, you know, you may or may not manage to do what your law intended, but you're always going to have consequences that weren't intended. And often they're bad. Uh, I had one other Kroger story and uh, there's not a lot here, uh, but uh, we talked about the Excelion hack. Um, the uh, ex- the Excelion story is the gift that keeps on giving. They're the ones who created a bunch of uh, of hacking tools that they had created. And then somebody got in and stole their source code. And, right, and then, away, uh, then they also had the the uh, corp, the tools for transferring corporate files and back and forth that pretty much everybody used uh and then someone hacked their update server so that their normal regular updates were sending hacked uh malware in the update to everybody who used it that is well, convenience yes so like i said this breach and we said this wasn't over we were going to keep seeing new stories well uh the excelion breach has hit kroger um they didn't lose anything in their grocery departments but uh, there, they have breached HR data, pharmacy records, and money service records. Well, um, pharmacy I, records that that could be yeah. really damaging. Well, and money service record, money services is, is uh, Kroger. Lots of Krogers have what they call money services, which is they're not a bank, which is to say that you don't need a bank account to use there, but they offer you services to cash checks, pay bills, send people money. It's all the things that you get with a bank if you have a credit card or a, a checking account there. But they just don't require a bank account. You just walk in with money and they'll be like, okay, well, here you can send money to a bank or pay bills or what. And, you know, it's really valuable to the the people, especially in a lot of lower income places who don't have bank accounts because, uh, you know, they're just a lot of them are right. living paycheck to paycheck, whatever. So there is a segment of the population who really needs this because it's the only way that they can do things like pay their bills. And yeah, their records are now out in the open. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, uh, that makes sense. Although there's a lot of these businesses and I could see where a Kroger, a gro- average grocery store would, would be one, which is, you know, we're, well, they're already spending $4 more an hour on every employee. So could we really hire a good IT guy? <laughs> we need, uh, <laughs> they're, they're spending for $4 more an hour on every employee in, in Los Angeles, Long Beach and Seattle, which is a couple dozen stores so far. But uh, so far, it's gonna- until until a bunch more woke city council people jump on this and be like, hey, we're we're going to just give more bonuses to our union members and make it so that they get more money for a couple months until they lose their jobs. You know, this seems like a really good way, though, if you want a Kroger 
branded store to get the hell out of your city. Now you know how to do it because yeah. this will just have them go. I mean, there's a grocery store that was the main store my mom shopped in when I was growing up that has been sitting dormant now for years because when it closed down, the company went out of business. The Jewel, which has been around forever here in the Chicago area, which is maybe another mile and a half down the road. Well, they took over the lease and intentionally aren't letting anybody sublease it because they don't want another grocery store in the area. So there's been a huge building sitting vacant and the city just let them do it because, well, eh, we don't care. Uh, the, the same thing happened in, in uh, North Seattle uh, a year, year or two ago. Um, the one of the red apple markets went out of business and a you know, big ass grocery store. And they um, they couldn't because because the city being what it is, they couldn't even get another grocery store to come in. So the building was vacant for a while and um, some homeless people moved in nice. and it ended up becoming an impromptu homeless shelter like people just you know, broke in one of the side doors and started setting up sleeping bags in between the aisles. And, uh, it, it ended up, you know, there ended up being uh, 25 or 30 homeless people living in the building. And when, uh, red apple finally managed to sell the building and, or, or find a new lease or something, the, the city council would not let them clean out the homeless people. They said, no, I'm sorry. These people live here now and you can't evict them. And in fact, uh, in wow. fact, you own landlord fees now or, or taxes, whatever. Wow. Cause they're your tenants now. Yeah. See, that's where things start going horribly, horribly <laughs> wrong. But I mean, I was thinking I would shop at big ass grocery store. That would be a pretty good name. Um, big ass, ass grocery. Uh, yeah. As long as the hyphen is between big and ass, not the, not between ass and grocery. Right. And we had one of those Dominic stores right down the uh, road from us here as well that they turned into a movie theater and then COVID hit. So, I mean, there's always bad business. Uh, you know, you can go good. It can go bad. It's, uh, everything in life is kind of a crapshoot. Is it not? It is not, but, uh, all the, all the things that are worth having are. That's true. And we've got plenty of more stories for Friday. Let me tell you, we got, uh, it's going to be chock full of fun and I'm sure more fun things will happen. I mean, I've got things that we have to, yes. uh, we could still have a lot to talk about with the Texas power and what happened down there. Uh, what NVIDIA yeah. is doing oh. to their new cards. Oh, there was a story about a Columbia professor that uses heroin daily and he thought that was okay. I mean, there's some interesting stuff in the news. I, I mean, I've, I've known professors where I suspected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're like, you know, you don't seem quite right, but we've got all of that. We can cover it on Friday because we'll be back with another exciting edition. Where will we be come Friday for Grumpy Old Bands? Will the world be crazier? Will the world be saner? There's only one way to find out, and that's to tune in to the grumpiest podcast in the universe. But or or, you know, read your own news stories. But this is easier. Yes. I mean, we feed you the news with an aplomb. And with a point of view that you just can't get anywhere else. And that's why you tune in and we're happy you're here. We're happy that everybody that's listening, we understand there's a lot of podcasts you can listen to. The fact that you're spending your time listening to us bloviate, we appreciate that. For those that come along live in the troll room when we're doing these shows live at noagendastream.com, we appreciate it, including Cold Acid and Progo and Sir Matthew and Mutter and Weed Tax. I mean, sure. The- I love that name. <laughs> Net Ned, everybody, we appreciate you trolling along and fact checking us live as we do the show. 
And so show up again. You guys are all required to be here again on our next show on Friday. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where there's no snow on the driveway. So I don't got to do any work. And from America's left coast, where the laws of supply and demand are preempted by the laws of wokeness. I'm Ryan Bemrose.